Arizona Sports, the home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Burns and Gambo talk Suns Clippers. Now. Three o'clock hour of the Burns and Gambo show live here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader on this Tuesday tonight. Game five between the Suns and the L.A. Clippers. An opportunity for the Suns to do something they have not done since May 2nd of 2007. Damn. And that is win a playoff series at home. Clinch a playoff series at home. I still think that's crazy. May 2nd of 2007. Luke Lipinski mentioned it earlier when I was driving in, and I thought, really? I I don't normally question Luke's information. Usually he's solid gold, but I'm like, I'm going to look that one up just to be sure. He was right. May 2nd, 2007. That was the last time the Suns clinched a playoff series at home. They can do it tonight. God, I hope they do it tonight. I, I The fans deserve it, you know? These fans have been so good the last couple of years with this resurgence in the Suns, and, and, and every single time they've had to watch their team clinch a series on the road, it'd be nice to have this done at home. It would really be nice to have this done at home. Yeah. No, it would. It would. I, I just don't... I can't even believe that it was that long. I would not have recognized that. But we got to also remember, they, like, they, they did go, like, 10 years without going to the playoffs. Oh, I know. Yeah, and that's and that's the thing. When I was doing the research on this, just to make sure Luke was right, and again, I had no reason to doubt him. Um, that is the thing. You have to take there's this giant 10-year gap where they didn't have any playoff games at all. So it's really, when you think about it, I mean, yeah, it goes back 16 years, but it's one, two, three, four, five years of actual playoff basketball. That's it. So out of the last five times the Suns have been to the playoffs, they haven't clinched the series at home. When you think about it that way, it's not that crazy. Crazy, but when you look at the total years, it is crazy. We've we've had a lot of conversations about what the Suns need to do, what they are doing well, what they need to do better. We've talked about Chris. We've talked about DeAndre Ayton. We'll continue to talk about that. Of course, we all acknowledge this team is going to be led by their starters. They're built that way. They're yep. wired that way. Yep. They've got a big four. That's how they're going to win basketball games. You and I would both like to see better bench production moving forward just to ease a little bit of the pressure on those starters. The question is, do we start to see that tonight in this Game 5 because of the return of campaign? Now, we don't know for sure he's going to be back, but the anticipation with him being upgraded to probable is that he is going to be back for tonight's game. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think he's a he's a spark plug. He can get to the basket. He drives. I mean, he, he's... He hasn't played in a while, so is there going to be some rust? Probably be nice to shake that off with the game here before the Denver series. Yeah, look, I, I'm, I, I truly believe that. You're going to win with your stars. They're going to win because of Booker and KD and Paul and DeAndre. They're not going to win because of Bismack Biombo and uh, Josh Okoji and Landry Shamit and you know Damian Lee. I mean, those you know bench players have to play. You know they don't have a they don't have a great bench. They don't have a deep bench. I think Monty has really struggled with you know with with who to play and how to play them and there's a lot of heavy minutes for the sun starters because these games have been relatively close and that's what you do i mean you know you you'd rather have your starters out there cuz you know they're they're three four five times better than the guys that 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 would be coming in for them yeah and a lot of that too is the starters building up such a big lead that they can they can in essence take themselves out of the game right like it's not necessarily on the bench to be great if the bench wants to expand the lead lead when they're out there, but very rarely is the bench effect never during the playoffs. Are the bench going to be out there by themselves? They're always going to be out there with at least two of the starters, but ideally what you'd like to see 
is a big enough lead to where you can give Devin Booker extended minutes on the bench. You can give Kevin Durant extended. Now, if you need to go back to him, I suppose you could, but you'd, you'd love to see your starters build up enough of a lead that you feel more comfortable with sitting those guys. Campaign's a curious one. I don't know what to expect, assuming he plays tonight. He hasn't played a lot lately. He's only played, I'm looking at it right now, it looks like about 21, 22 minutes of basketball since the 4th of April. So there, there hasn't been a lot. Right. In terms of what he's contributed, I, I think he'll add something with the pace and the way he plays. And certainly, you would imagine he could take minutes away from Chris Paul to maybe save some for him, take minutes away from Devin Booker. We, Like I said, we've been talking about the bench a lot. And a, a, I want to give a hat tip to one of our listeners. Don't recall who, but somebody sent us a screenshot of the plus-minus rankings for the bench so far this postseason. Because I know you right. did the research over the weekend. And you found that at least out of the Western Conference teams, the Suns by far the fewest points of any bench in the Western Conference so far. Right? Yeah, they're by not far. contributing points. I mean, they're they're at fifty points, and the top team in the league is over a hundred points more than them in the West. I didn't do the East, just the West. But nobody, and I didn't even add up last night's game because the Lakers had played three, and Minnesota had played three, and they were um, and Memphis. The Lakers and Memphis had only played three going into yesterday. We talked about this yesterday before that game, and they were both ahead of the Suns with points scoring. Now it's only one way to gauge sure. you know, how you're doing, but it is a way to gauge. I mean, the Suns are by far getting the least amount of points, and that's all we said was points. We didn't talk about rebounds, steals, but we didn't talk about anything except points. They were by far getting the least amount of points from their bench. And, and, and to your point, there is no right way to gauge this. There's no you know end-all, be-all, this-is-the-proof kind of thing. But this listener, as I mentioned, sent us a screenshot of the plus-minus rankings of all the benches so far. So I dug a little deeper, and I looked at the full list of the 16 playoff teams. The Suns right now are ninth in terms of plus minus off the bench. They're a, they're a minus two collectively when their bench players are in. Um, but then you looked at the list and you came up with something kind of clever about this list and something I hadn't noticed. What was the thing that you noticed about this list? The, the bench list? Yeah. Oh, you don't even remember, do you? <laughs> no, I'm trying to think. I mean, I did all the points. I did all, all the points that every single... You noticed on this list that I sent you that most of the teams that are below the Suns on it... Oh, they, they're, they're losing. They're losing. They're losing. Or yeah, they're so about they, to get eliminated. I'm trying to th- I was thinking about the list that I was thinking... The po- yes, what I noticed about the list is that when you look at the plus minus, there's nobody that's ahead in the series. Nobody. So the teams so the Suns were, what, ninth? Yes. Ninth, but the teams below them, they're all they're either Cavs tied are down, or losing the yeah, series. Cavs are none down of those, none of them are ahead. Cavs in the are 10th, they're down 3 1. The Hawks are 11th, they're down 3 1. Memphis is 12th, they're down 3 1. The Nets are eliminated, they're 13th. The Warriors are tied 2 2, they're 13th. The Bucks are down 3 1. That's amazing. The Bucks are down 3 1. They're 15th. <laughs> Minnesota is 16th, they're down 3 1. Yeah, just, just about every team that is below the Suns on this list is on the verge of being eliminated. Eliminated with the exception of the Golden State Warriors. They're the only one. Now, again, look, I, I think for what Monty is currently asking the bench to do and the way this roster is constructed, the bench is fine. The, the, the bench, just, just don't be the reason you lose a game. All right, game one, the bench was a big reason why they lost that game. Don't be a re- you know, I don't think the bench, outside of maybe a rare exception, I don't think the bench is ever going to be the reason why you're going to win a playoff game. Just don't be the reason you 
you lose one? Because I think they lost game one because of their bench. Yes, yes. And that's what we've said all along, me and you. Don't lose a game for the – just don't lose a game. You can. I mean, benchers can lose games. You know, you you, you take your keys. Now, this, now, to Monty's credit, now people can criticize – to Monty's credit, he's understood. I got to have two of my main stars out there at all times because if I, if I don't do that – I'm really taking a chance that somebody's going to go on a 10-2 run that could determine the outcome of a game. And that happens. That happens. Especially in the second half of basketball games. You start to rest your starters. You're trying to give them an extra 30 seconds or an extra 45 seconds. Team hits a three. They get a turnover. They get another basket. All of a sudden, it's a a 10-2 spurt, and it's an eight-point difference. You're like, okay, how am I going to make that up? That makes it just makes it harder. So Monty, to his credit, and this is what I really give Monty a lot of credit for, he's kind of realized that, you know what, I don't have the bench that other teams have. I don't have the depth. I don't I have to play my starters. And I will always have at least two starters out there with these bench guys. Because I'm not gonna put them on an island and say, okay guys, you, you guys gotta go for five minutes, I'm gonna rest everybody. He doesn't do that. So that's been a plus for the Phoenix Suns. That's been a plus because that really takes that out of the equation. Oh, the bench can lose the game for you. A lot harder for the bench to lose a game when they're playing with Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. No doubt. Score the hottest ticket in town. Suns playoff tickets. Text the word ticket to 620-620. Register. Listen for your name today during the 5 o'clock hour for your chance to qualify for Game 5 tickets tonight to see the Suns and the Clippers. Again, text the word ticket to 620-620. Are the Cardinals going to make a draft day trade? And if so, what would we consider to be a successful draft day trade? And does a trade include one of their stars as well? Well, we got some news on that coming up next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, 40, 50 hours. Just a little under 50 hours from the NFL draft. I was going to say 48, but we're not quite there yet. 50 hours from the NFL draft. You and I are going to be live at the uh, the big draft party, the watch party there at the Great Lawn at State Farm Stadium. You, me, I think Bickley's going to be out there. Wolfley, Luke, I think Tim Ring's going to be out there. Big draft extravaganza. We'll see if the Suns cooperate by eliminating the Clippers tonight so we can have a big full draft show tonight or on Thursday instead of one that's a little shorter because of uh, Game 6 for the Suns. But we're looking forward to it. And uh, if if nothing else, Gambo, I think I speak for all of us here on the Burns and Gambo show when I say I'm looking forward to the draft just so we can officially be done with mock drafts and speculation on what the Cardinals might do. Oh we, we can talk about what they actually do, right? It's about damn time. I, I haven't, like, I, I'm not, a, I don't love the mock draft. The, the thing I hate the most is power polls. I, like, hate power polls. They're the stupidest thing in the world. <laughs> hey, let's give you our power poll. It's so dumb. Mock drafts, looks everybody gets a kick out of them. I think this year, because the Cardinals are picking third, it's likely they're going to trade. What they have given us is that they have given us a lot of scenarios. Atlanta trading, Las Vegas trading, um, the Indianapolis, Houston. I mean, we've seen just a lot of that. I've, I've enjoyed that a little bit, you know. I don't put too much stock into it. I mean, in the end, these people that make do these mock drafts, they may get six or seven right on average. Mm-hmm. Top guys, maybe eight, you know, but uh, some guys get four or five. Like, it's, you know, you, you take it with a grain of salt. I like it for the context of the trades. I like it for the context of, hey, because, okay, Arizona's sticking to three day take Will Anderson. Boring. <laughs> well, give me something juicy. I'm going to read this damn thing. Give me something juicy. Stick it three day. They take Will Anderson. Okay, great. That's you. Yeah, I, 
want something exciting. Yeah. Uh, if, I'm it, gonna re- if I'm going to see there for 10 minutes and read your damn article, give me something to sink my teeth into. I don't, I don't, I don't debate that at all. And, and look, I like a good mock draft as much as the next guy. There just reaches a certain point where you're kind of saturated with them. And what I mean by you, like, you brought up a good point. Like, uh, especially a mock draft that projects a trade, I just feel like at this point, we've seen every possible trade scenario that you could think of, right? Like, I, I feel like we've, okay, it's going to be the Colts at four, or it's going to be the Raiders at seven, or it's going to be the Falcons at eight. Maybe it's going to be the Lions at six. Maybe it's going to be the Titans at 11. Hell, we even saw one yesterday that had the Cardinals moving down to seven and then moving down again to number 10 with the Philadelphia Eagles. All right, like, like I feel like we kind of know where the trades are. It's just a question of which one is it going to be, right? Like in all the mock drafts, they've all done a great job of telling us where all the potential trades could be. I feel like we've run out of trade ideas at this point. We've kind of gone over all of them and where could you go and how far do you want to fall and, and things like that. But I will say this was kind of a somewhat new one today, and this was not a mock draft by any means. What this was was Cynthia Freeland over at NFL.com projecting what she says are four win-win trade scenarios in round one. Both sides win if this trade happens, and her win-win trade for the Arizona Cardinals was to move down to number eight with the Atlanta Falcons. Falcons move up to number three, take a quarterback. Cardinals move down to number eight. They get the eighth pick overall. They get a second rounder this year. They get a third rounder this year. They get a fourth rounder next year. Okay. Now, I was dying when I saw this one to see what is it's 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 within your top ten. You move down to eight. You're going to get one of the – if you don't get one of the top three defensive linemen, you're going to get one of the top two cornerbacks or one of the top two offensive linemen. Like you're in a you're in a good spot there to get – you not, may not get the player you love the most or the player you love the second most, but you add a second, you add a third, and you add a fourth next year. Do you give that a thumbs up or a thumbs down? I give it a – honestly, to me, that's a thumbs down down i want more. okay i want more that's a thumbs down i, I do a three and a three extra picks to move down five spots five spots for me to move down five spots i i if you had said next year is a second round and not a fourth round i'll give you thumbs up that to me is the difference between thumbs up and thumbs down on this one so okay i get a two a three and a four next i get a two or three this year a four next year you make it a two and a three this year and a two next year i'll give you thumbs up I'll give you a thumbs up on this one, but I, okay. I, I, to me, that's just not quite enough to make it worth my trouble to move down five spots. You, you give this one a thumbs up or a thumbs down? You know, I, I don't want to pass on a great player, so I, I was iffy on this one. I don't think it's terrible. I don't mean you're getting, you know, you're going to get a, a, a good pick. You're going to get pick number forty-four. You're going to get pick number forty-four, number seventy-five, and then an extra pick next year to just move down five spots. So, I don't think it's terrible, but I still. I still believe that the Cardinals have to get great players. It's what they don't have. It's what they haven't had. We we did the list of 75 top players under 25, and they didn't have one. Not one. You got to you got to 
draft great players. If you still think you can get a great player by moving down five spots, have at it. Yeah. But you do you do lose out. Like if you want Will Anderson or Tyree Wilson, good chance that neither one of those guys is so if you're going into this say, look, our number one goal, we gotta get an edge rusher. We cannot get to the quarterback. We lost all of our we lost all of our JJ Watts gone and Zach Allen's gone. We have no ability to pressure Marcus Golden's gone. We can't pressure the quarterback at all. We gotta come up with an edge. If that's your number one priority, then you can't do this. You can't do that because the chances that both of those guys will be gone by eight, I think, is high. Yeah, it's pretty high, I think. So that's where you gotta be like, okay, are you okay with a corner? Are you okay with an offensive line? But if you really think that our major goal, we have to get an edge rusher, we'll end this thing Tyree Wilson. That probably takes you out of getting one of those two guys. Speaking of picks and maybe extra picks, I'm going to play the soundbite. This is Adam Pacman Jones today on the Pat McAfee Show. He often has been cited as a guy who uh, is a source for DeAndre Hopkins, or at least uh, is when he says he's got sources about D-Hop, that maybe he's talking to D-Hop. Listen to what Adam Pacman Jones said today on Pat McAfee's show. D Hop has not been traded yet. Nope. He not will yet. be. He will be rumors. My sources says, says so. But real soon. Oh, real soon. What? Real soon. Strong possibility. Strong. Strong like possibility. Week, like draft? Yes, like this week. Like tomorrow? Like Thursday. Okay. My sources says. says, says. says. <laughs> His, I mean, clearly his source is DeAndre Hopkins on this one. So apparently uh, either D-Hop or somebody really close to D-Hop thinks that this is the week that he gets moved. Uh, you and I talked about this yesterday. Uh, give me Friday morning before the second round starts. I think he'll move. He'll be gone by then. I think he'll be absolutely gone by the morning yeah. or the day of the second round of the draft. Yeah, I, I don't think that he's going out on a limb here to say it's going to happen this week. I mean, we all know that. DeAndre Hopkins is going to get traded by the Cardinals. If he's here, we'll all be shocked. Yes. So I think anybody could say that. Hey, I got news for you. DeAndre Hopkins is going to be traded this week. Okay. Yeah, that's what we're all expecting. That's nothing new. Tell me who he's going to get traded to. Tell me what the card. Tell me something. So he's going to end up with you. Hey, tell me the team. Don't he's going to get traded? Say, give me one or give me two teams. He'll be traded to one of these two teams. That, that, that now I'll take something from Pac Man. Yeah, but the, I mean, he gave you nothing like that. He, he'll be traded. We all could have said that he'll be traded this week. <laughs> Everybody could have said that he'll be traded this week. Well, I hope so. I mean, I hope so. That we we had thought we had wondered. Maybe not thought, but we had wondered if there was a possibility that they wouldn't trade him. Yeah. It's not like the Cardinals have to, but I think we all knew that he probably was going to get moved. Texas, your thoughts on the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now when we come back. He's been covering this team front to back all year long. What does our son's guru Kellen Olsen, what does he see from the team? What needs to improve? We'll talk with Kellen next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Suns insider Kellen Olsen joins Burns and Gambo to talk Phoenix Suns basketball. Hey, Kevin. Uh, Kellen Olsen, Arizona Sports. Nice to meet you. Welcome to the Valley. Uh, oh, yeah. Can you say it again? I'm Kellen. Welcome to the Valley. Nice to meet you. Courtside with Kellen. Brought to you by Southwest Gas. Committed to exceeding expectations today while innovating sustainable solutions for tomorrow. Our weekly visits with Kellen Olson, our son's guru, as the Suns have a chance to do something tonight they haven't done since May 2nd of 2007. You want me to freak you guys out? Yeah, freak me out. I was a sophomore in high school. Man! God, shut up! (laughs) Hi, Kellen, Kellen, Kellen. How old will you be 16 years from now? 
I will be 48. <laughs> right? Oh, you see? You see when you look at it like that? Isn't it so much different than looking the other way? Because it's the same thing, 16 years one way or another. So it's like, it's like six, so in 2007, if we would have said, hey, the Suns aren't going to close out a home game for 16 years, we're like, man, how old am I going to be in 16 years? <laughs> I'm, I'm really depressed Burnsy by looking at it like that. Uh, I'm going to, 16 years from now, I'm going to be 68 years old. Yeah. Yeah, I'll be just gone. rounding into four. Oh, stop, it's going to it's going to be the it's going to be the Burns and Kellen show here on Arizona oh, Sports, man. the local sports leader. I'll still be around. Gambo, you're going to be at a villa in Italy, right? Is that what you're going to be oh, doing? I, I, will, I will absolutely be at a villa in Italy. <laughs> you're going to fly us out to your villa, right? I hope you better. <laughs> I only like there's not a lot of things that I really want in life, but I I do want to die in Lake Como. Well, I do I do want to die there. That's fine. It's just fly that's, me and Kellen out there, yeah. and we'll all hang out. We'll talk yeah, Suns basketball show from with the you. villa. We'll yeah. handle everything. It's, for you after it's all good. It's be Once you say your goodbyes and go off into the sunset, we'll take care of the villa just for make you. Sure there's a nice bottle of Chianti waiting for us, and we'll be fine. No. We'll, we'll, we'll be good. We'll be good. Yeah, we'll um, be. It'll be 11:30 at night. There, you'll be doing the show. I don't know if you can stay up that late. <laughs> uh, what I was going to say was May 2nd, 2007, the last time the Phoenix Suns closed out a series at home. Granted, there have been a ton of playoff series between now and then because of that 10-year stretch where they didn't go. But Kellen, if it's to happen tonight, I, I, it's a it's a trite kind of conversation starting sort of question, but what has to happen tonight for the Suns to finish this up? What what are you going to be looking at tonight for the Suns? Because I don't think the Clippers are going to quit. I mean, the Clippers have had no quit in them so far this series. What's the key to this? What has to happen? Well, first of all, I think we should establish the Suns are gigantic favorites right now in Vegas. I think that the Clippers are plus 700 right now. If I looked Ah. at it correctly earlier this morning, that means if you put 10 bucks down, you get 80 back. Like that is that is significant. They are significant underdogs. But the keys to it, I think it has to be the start of the game, right? We we keep having this conversation and I understand why it is important about the bench and how the bench has struggled and all this kind of stuff. But part of the bench struggling is the fact that the starters don't really have control of a game when the bench starts to come into the game. And that applies to both stretches of the game. I think that in game four, they had probably their best little stretch there in the second half because once they came in, the starters had gone on that run, but it took them having those three straight turnovers, that 7-0 run, and all that kind of stuff happening. But I just think it's going to come down to their start of the game, and then from there, if the bench can channel some energy and getting campaign back tonight will be a really, really big step forward. Pretty much every time a player's list is probable, he's going to play. That's where campaign is at today. So I think it comes down to those two things. If the bench starts out well, and then if campaign brings energy, if both of those things happen, they're probably up 15 in the early second quarter, and we're already looking at how Denver's second unit is looking and all that kind of stuff we're already thinking about the next round. I don't I don't disagree with you at all. I'm I'm ready for the Suns kick somebody's ass game and I think this is going to be it. I checked with the Suns just a short time ago on campaign and it's still probable. It's a, he's still probable. So no nobody's saying he's definitely going to play, but you know probable means he's very likely to play. But I I think they're ready for that breakout game. And I think in 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 some ways too I think it's the Clippers. Like they exhausted every single option possible to try to beat the Phoenix Suns and they couldn't do it. They were home, they did everything. They did so many things right right and I mean besides playing a perfect game or having the Phoenix Suns completely stumble the Suns are just a better team and they're going to win this game and I think they'll win it convincingly and I think uh, we're waiting for that we're all waiting for them to, to just you know just wax the Clippers I think that's going to be tonight yeah it, it was a really good point that you brought out there Gambo specifically on the perfect game part because that is the one thing that I have in the back of my mind I did expect at least in one of these games for the Clippers to have that game where their three-point shooting is nuts where they hit 18 
1923s because they have the shooting for it. I think the head of their snake right now is Russell Westbrook, a guy you want to shoot. But if you look at everyone else on the court, pretty much except for their centers, those are threatening three-point shooters, particularly the likes of Batum, Gordon, and Powell. Those are the guys that you really don't want to leave open. But what the Suns did in Game 4, and I thought was really smart, was they let Russell Westbrook drive. They did not overcommit to him. And they were like, okay, the rim is yours. Go ahead. This is where you want to be. That's fine. But where Westbrook starts to get really dangerous is when you allow him to be a playmaker and for him to set up those threes. The Clippers have had under 20 assists in two of these four games. It was Game 2 and then Game 4. A bit of a warning sign for me was in Game 3 when I believe the Clippers had 25 or 27 assists. And I was like, man, no Kawhi out there. And they're still getting the ball moving a fair bit against this defense. That's troubling. But the Suns nipped that in the butt in Game 4. And so that's something I'm going to be looking at here in this game. Like, keep an eye on it. Like, does Powell or Gordon's had a couple first quarters where he's hit a couple threes early? Does that start a thing kind of materialize? Because we all know what that looks like, right? It's the mid-second quarter, and that highly contested three goes in in the corner, and we're looking at each other. Is it one of those nights where just everything's going to go in for them? And I think that's really the only way that the Clippers can win this game, to be honest, is is one of those high-volume shooting percentages, uh, getting one of those shooting percentages with a high volume of threes at the same time. They're capable of it. And, man, Russell Westbrook, he is not ready to go out yet. That team is not ready to go out, but especially him. We stumbled into a conversation about Westbrook earlier. How much value do you think he's added to himself, even with everything he's done in his career? How much value has he added to himself with how he's played with the Clippers during these playoffs and even during the, the regular season? He's added a ton, and, and I think we, we talked about this bouncing off a preview piece that I had two weeks ago at the start of the series where I called him the X-Factor of the series. Yep. And my main thing was, look, a lot of dumb basketball fans, and I don't call people dumb very often, but a lot of dumb basketball fans treat Russell Westbrook like a joke. He's one of the best point guards of all time. He's just flat out one of the best point guards of all time. And yes, he has had a rough go the last couple of seasons. It does not look good when he doesn't play well right now. But if you look at the way that he has come together into form into this series specifically, this is exactly why the Suns could not treat him as a joke in their own way, right? They had to take him seriously, and they have, and Russell Westbrook has still played at this elite level. But I think what he has shown, specifically on the defensive end, I think this is the best defense he's ever played in his career, to be honest, that he's got at least a couple of years left in him because I was surprised watching that Clipper tape back at the start of the series and being like, man, if you give him a downhill lane, it's over. He's 34 years old. He's got all those minutes on his body with the amount of usage that he had over the years, and he can still absolutely explode. I don't know if he's going to be a commodity this offseason necessarily because I think Kevin Zerman on our podcast has made a really good point of what the Clippers have done is let him be him. And and where the Lakers were failing and where the Wizards were kind of sort of succeeding in the the first start of it at least was letting him be himself, and that's where the Clippers have, have welcomed him with open arms and let him play his volatile style of play, and it's really worked out for them to this point. The team adding him this offseason, if it is the Clippers, if it's someone else, will have to figure out that fit as well. I think it's you got to have the right coach for him, you know. And I think on a on a one year mid level deal, I don't know what he can get out there. But on a one year mid level deal, having that guy come off the bench for you, I think you know, I I think it could be a plus if he understands his role and he accepts his role. He can still score at a very high level. He defends at a very high level. He brings you energy. The clip like the Clippers, and like you say, from the time he left Oklahoma City, he's been in Houston, he's been in Washington, he's been with the Lakers, he's been with the Clippers. I mean, that's four teams. In like the last four years, he just hasn't been able to find a home. So it has to be the perfect fit for him to make it work. 
It, it really does, yeah. And, and I don't think it would be here either. I remember Wolf and Luke said there was some conversation about bringing how he could have been a buyout candidate for them after game one and fans were freaking out online about how the Suns could have had this guy. You need the right style of play for him and with the way that the Suns share the ball and how many ball handlers they have that need the ball already. If you're playing Russell Westbrook over 15 minutes in Phoenix, that means that he's taking away the ball. He's taking the ball out of Chris Paul's hands or Devin Booker's hands or Kevin Durant's hands. You want that for certain stretches to give those guys a rest, but at the same time, he needs a dominant portion of the ball and I think that he needs he would want to start wherever he's going still. He's at that point. And <laughs> look at the series he's having. He's going to be like, I better start somewhere. Yeah, I was I was the second be best player in a series like this with Devin Booker and Kevin Durant in it. Yeah, and it certainly wouldn't be here. Uh, wrapping things up with Kellen Olsen in studio here for our weekly conversation. And I want to ask you the, the, the question about DeAndre Ayton. You were there at practice yesterday. I'm going to dovetail this in it because Gambo and I are going to talk about Ayton in the next segment of the show. It Reading the quotes and listening to some of the audio that you gathered when you when you were there, it felt like very much a let's prop up DeAndre. Let's, you know, like, was there a, I'm not asking you to be a psychologist here or anything, but did you get the sense that there was a let's make DeAndre feel good about DeAndre kind of moment yesterday? Maybe. I think it's just more about whenever DeAndre is asked about, they always do that job. They, they always speak of him in a really positive way and, and try to lift him up, if that's the way that you want to put it. Sure. Like, he is he has not played well in this series. I think if you compare it to all of his other playoff series, which are a lot of really good ones, this is his worst by a pretty significant margin. I just think the bare minimum of effort that they need from him in terms of rolling to the rim hard, running up and down the floor, rebounding, contesting shots at the rim, the bare minimum just hasn't been there for him from in this series. I don't know why, but it's just not there. And I think that they need a lot more of that out of him coming up because if we're looking ahead already and talking about Denver, he outplayed Nikola Jokic, in my opinion, two years ago. I think that he really did that in that series when they swept him. That's how good he was defending Jokic and running the floor and, and making team plays for everyone else. They need that kind of guy again next round to have, I, I don't want to phrase it as like a chance against Denver, but to beat them, they're going to need a really good DeAndre Ayton in that series, I think, or else Jokic is just going to dominate him, and yeah. that's what they need from him. All right, Kellen, we appreciate it. We'll see you tonight at the arena. Thanks for stopping by for a few, as always. Thank you. You got Kellen Olsen. You can read all of his stuff, of course, at ArizonaSports.com. All the game recaps, all the game previews. Great game preview up right now that we cited earlier on the show. You can read it at ArizonaSports.com. When we come back, yeah, that's what we're going to talk about. He's not lighting up the stat sheet every single night, but are the Suns getting the impact they need out of DeAndre Ayton? That's next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Arizona Sports, the home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Burns and Gambo talk Suns Clippers now. All right, back here with you on the Burns and Gambo Show. We referenced this in our conversation with Kellen, if you were listening to us talking to Kellen Olson, DeAndre Ayton so far through four games in this series and certainly hasn't been the very best we've seen out of DeAndre Ayton. Uh, it's been, he has not taken over games. And yesterday, Gambo, I sent you that article that I saw on AZ Central, but a lot of the clips and the comments that we've got here that we're going to play for you come from our own Kellen Olson. And in listening to some of these, boy, it, it did, it seem as if the Suns were trying to talk up DeAndre Ayton because DeAndre Ayton has really not made much of an impact in this series so far at all. What was kind of your take on the tone when it comes to Ayton and some of the things that were said yesterday? 
Yeah, I think he sees himself differently than what other people see him as. I think he sees himself as, I'm an anchor on offense and defense, and I think he values himself more than, I think, what we do. I mean, Callum was talking about the series against Denver. Look, he didn't outplay Jokic, but he held him to a drawer in a few of those games, right? He held his own, and I think that's what you look at when you play the best players, and he was really good throughout those playoffs. Now, his role has changed, obviously, with the you know with the emergence of Booker as a superstar and with Durant coming here and and even with Paul aging you know the, the his role has changed a little bit but he's still he's still a max player at you know at his age that's that could be very very good and I don't think we've seen the best of DeAndre Ayton yet no the, the the comment yesterday the one that got all the attention we played it on our show and we talked about it a little bit on the people who question his motor yeah, I don't know what that is man yeah. hey, motor come on bro. I play both ends of the floor my name is Dominic Ayton I carry this, uh, I anchor the Phoenix Suns on both ends of the floor motor really you want to talk about a motor man nope I run on Tesla battery <laughs> it's a funny line. DeAndre uh, Ayton's always good for a funny line, but beyond the jokes about Tesla Motors, I, I think there's something a little bit more serious going on here, and that's the Suns knowing that maybe you can beat the L.A. Clippers with a less than his best version of DeAndre Ayton, and maybe you can beat the L.A. Clippers when they don't have Kawhi or Paul George with a less than his best version of DeAndre Ayton. Can you get past the Nuggets? Can you get past the Warriors? Can you get past the Kings? Can you get past it's the three? If those four guys are playing at a high level, yes. If two of those four guys are playing are only playing at a high level, I think it's harder. I think you need more than two because they don't have the bench, right? When you don't have the depth that can come in and you know pour in the points and do what other benchers are doing, you're very reliant on your your stars. So you need to me out of those four guys, you need three of those guys to be, to be clicking on all cylinders, playing at a high level to win. If you only got two, and the other two guys are not doing that much, and your bench isn't doing that much. I think think it becomes a lot harder. I think it becomes easier for teams. I mean, the TNT crew, they had a debate. Is DeAndre's production enough given his role with the Suns? I mean, they had a debate on that the other day Yeah, on, on whether it was enough. So the fact that people are talking about it, the fact that he's got to shrug off these questions about his motor and stuff like that, I mean, clearly a lot of people, that's what people are seeing. They're seeing DeAndre Aidner saying, there's a lot more to his game. What's going on here? It's funny that you mentioned that this is Bill Simmons from his podcast and he was in L.A. He, he lives in L.A. He was at the game and kind of talked about some of the stuff we didn't see on TV with the frustrations around DeAndre Ayton. Eddie Johnson, like he said, like he loves him. He says he's just like the greatest guy. Everybody says like he's an awesome guy. They're just frustrated by him because he's got this like perfect center body. And then you watch him like a fumble a screen or he's late rotating or he didn't get to, you know, the rebound in time. And at one point in the beginning of the third quarter, um, the Clippers went on a little run. Monty called a quick timeout. Booker was like yelling at Aiton. And I, I'm not, this wasn't like Draymond and KD four years ago. It wasn't like I didn't think they were going to fight, but Booker was so pissed off. <laughs> and he screamed at him, I'm going to say for like 45, 50 seconds, where he was just so mad. This is Devin Booker yesterday. I think he just hears it from, you know, a little bit of everybody. You know, it's a collective group. Uh, <laughs> Both ways, though, too. You know, we, we hear from him, too. And, you know, we hear everybody out on this team. We all have the same objective, and, you know, that's to win the game. So, you know, it's important to communicate. And, and I guess that's what troubles me when it comes to DeAndre Eaton. And maybe it's always troubled me with DeAndre Eaton. We're on, what, year four now of DeAndre? Year five of DeAndre? 
and we're still having these conversations about you know Devin Booker and Chris Paul and and other Monty calling timeouts, you know, trying to extract the very best version of DeAndre. And I know he's a kid. I know he's still young. You know, but it, but you've said it many many times. Like, can you really change who you are? Can you really change? You can get better. You can improve how you are as a basketball player. You can develop your skills better. But can you change your personality? And and these are some no. of the questions that we kind of weigh when we talk about DeAndre Ayton. Because here we are, all these years later, and we're still talking about what his son's teammates are doing to make sure DeAndre Ayton is doing the right thing. And man, it feels like we've been having that conversation for four years now about DeAndre. Yeah, I mean, his game the other day, that was a good game. I mean, that, that was a good game, but... You know, game one against the Clippers when, you know, they had all the offensive rebounds, and I think he only had eight. And yes. you're like, well, man, come on. Like, you know, you, you know you've got to be and, – and we always talk about it. Like, why doesn't he dunk the basketball? Why does he settle for all the floaters? And that's who he is. I mean, I remember the same thing, thinking about this about Patrick Ewing. He was the number one overall pick for the Knicks, never won a championship, got to two NBA finals. But, you know, he was more of a finesse shooting type big man they had to go get Charles Oakley um, to you know give them some muscle and size and toughness and stuff like that and I think that DeAndre is who he is you either you either appreciate him for what he is or uh, look I, 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 I swear by this the Suns didn't want to pay him a max contract but they certainly weren't going to lose him for nothing yeah there's a reason why they didn't they didn't offer him a five-year max they didn't want to offer him a five-year max they never wanted to and they wouldn't have offered him a max until Indiana came in and, and gave him the offer sheet and at that point it's like, okay, we either lose him for nothing or we pay him the max money. And because it was a four-year max and because it was less money overall, about $35 million less, they were able to justify that. They were able to justify that. Now, is look, I mean, if you're asking me now, do I think DeAndre Eaton's going to finish his contract with the Phoenix Suns? I have no idea. Like, I really have no idea. Um, but right now, this is about what can he do to help this team win a championship. And I think many people feel like he's got to play better. Score the hottest ticket in town. They are Suns play off tickets and you can text the word ticket to 620-620 right now. Get registered and listen for your name today, about an hour from right now, for your chance to qualify for Game 5 tickets to see the Suns and the Clippers tonight. Again, text the word ticket to 620-620. They're going to wrap this up tonight. We're going to get into that next. Burns and Gambo.